Hey guys, welcome to MAU Talk, a podcast from MAU Vegas, the premier mobile acquisition and retention summit. Today, Adam talks to Jenny Taran, head of growth for Call of Duty Mobile at Activision, about high-level based implications that affect performance marketing channels in the international sector. Take it away, Adam. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. So Jenny, Jenny has spoken at, I think you've spoken at MAU countless times, um, and is now in a growth role at Activision. I'll let her describe it, but thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. This is um, this is my first podcast. This is also probably like the first, well, maybe like second speaking thing I've done since of any sort since Activision. I just disappeared into like an Activision black hole. Yep. <laughs> so it's kind of fun to broach out a little bit and this seems like a nice cash way to do so. Um, but yeah, I've been at Activision since July of pre-COVID, and um, I started kind of in launching uh, COD Mobile and focusing on like the performance marketing stack. Um, so now I'm running like all the marketing um, for COD Mobile. So everything that touches the game inside out, marketing related, um, I've been working to build up. So it's been really, really cool, really interesting. Um, it's a super fascinating product to work for, like a super engaging audience, which is really like a nice kind of change. I like like all the diversity of products I've had before, but yeah. it's a little bit different to like interact with a teenage audience um, versus a like bingo mom. So <laughs> it's been pretty fun to branch out. Yeah, and a, a passionate audience, no doubt. And that game, I mean, is it literally available globally uh, or is it? Yeah. Thing or? Yeah, so Call of Duty Mobile is available globally. Um, Activision publishes it in um, a bunch of core regions uh, internationally, and then it just launched as well via our um, developer Timmy in um, in China and like other regions there. So um, it's pretty interesting. And then we publish it via um, Garena um, in Southeast Asia. Um, so we've got we've got like a pretty global footprint. I directly work on um, kind of like North America, South America, Europe, um, Japan, basically like core kind of like Western regions. Okay, all right, cool. Well, we're going to talk about international stuff primarily, but I feel like Mobile Dev Memo is churning out like one blog post a day about various IDFA whatever stuff. So at a high level, industry wise. You know, not not so much Activision specific. What what are the biggest changes you think? Like, what what are the biggest implications? For instance, one thing Eric has talked a lot about is well, media mix will change because the what were we conventionally thought of as performance channels will kind of get less trackable, not totally untrackable, but a lot less so, and therefore maybe it makes it more appealing to do stuff that's also inherently more difficult to track like TV or whatever. Like what do you, what do you think of that? And what, what other macro impacts do you um, envision? So, yeah. So I think that's interesting. I think there's a few things I think like, so um, if you kind of like paint the world of like performance marketing, it, it was like this sharp deviation from what we know as traditional media. It's like TV billboard, like that stuff doesn't work. That's for the old age. Like now we're going to run these ads that are highly trackable. We know everything that's going on with the user, whether you're talking about mobile gaming or like web essentially. Yep. Um, but I think even without this IDFA changes, there's been like a concerted kind of like industry change to evolution of recognizing that that's not necessarily like a realistic point of view on like how to properly grow a product, right? Like you have a lot of, um, 
if you're focusing on like only a digital kind of like trackable footprint ad, you're probably missing out on a lot of communication touch points that are important to think about. And so, yes, they're not necessarily trackable in like the traditional sense, but it's kind of like, um, I think not thinking about them and not approaching them with a certain strategy, you're really missing out on kind of like the correct way to, um, to grow to grow a product of any kind in today's space because like to me marketing is essentially like you have a user base that you have a user base you want to hit you have an audience that you want to hit and if you only talk to them in one way then they're tired of hearing that message through that direction even if you change like the color of your ad 50 times or even if you make it funny like yep. you need to kind of communicate with everyone on where their like natural landscape is so i think like um I think it's interesting because the IDFA will maybe kind of like push people into areas that they haven't necessarily been for before, or like they'll feel comfortable delving into them because maybe there's a little bit more ambiguity in the space. But I actually think that's been happening for a long time. Like for example, like podcast advertising, um, like for, at least for COD Mobile, like we do a bunch of stuff with like streamers, influencers, content creators. Like, I mean, that's not new. Like content creators as a form is ad of like advertisement has been, like heavily evolving in our space for, I mean, I don't know, at least like 10 years now. Right. So um, I think that, um, and we do stuff, we do tests with TV, we do podcast type things. And um, we try to kind of like think about like what's really cool ways that we can engage with users. And it's okay if like not everything can be tracked back as long as you're generally looking at like what is my overarching kind of like investment and what's happening after that investment. And so, you know, let's say like 80% of your media mix is highly trackable. You have this like 20% where you're gonna have to take educated guesses. And I think that to be like a good marketer, you know, there is this like heavy like data science piece and like analytical piece and you have to think about that, but you also have to have like an intuition for your audience and being able to speak to them. I actually think like when I, I'm just thinking about it now, like our like marketing as the space, especially with performance marketing has kind of dwelled in this high, highly like analytics based space where you're kind of like, you've got this LTV, you've got a recoup. I think it's become, it's it's so, it's kind of like very um, science-based in a way. And, it, and, and in a way like marketing and like user psychology is a science. But I also think that like the differentiator differentiator between kind of like a core analyst who's gonna look at a bunch of numbers and say like, put more here, put less here. It's like, that's the second piece. And that's like what makes a marketer versus an engineer, right? It's like, that's like where you're gonna take that like people piece that like human psychology and try to like flip it into, um, flip it into a decision that you think is gonna be best for your business. And like, I think that like the most interesting things that people have done historically with like advertising or growing products, they're probably not in like a, they probably were just kind of like a, like I have this intuition I'm going to lean into it and then I'm going to analyze it the best I can. And if it works, like, then I'm going to like, try to like work off of that or model off of that and make decisions based off of that. And like, that's your call. That's kind of your analytic side, like combining with your, I don't know, like left brain, right brain. I don't know. Yeah. yeah no, I think, um, I think that's exactly, I think that's exactly right. I mean, versus, you know, obsessing over increasing the CPIs in country X by 10 cents or whatever in your bids, which is valuable, but I think yeah. can be, I think performance people, myself included, do have a tendency to like over index on that kind of stuff and grossly under index on strategy and like 
actually think about the audience. <laughs> like it's so much easier to test five different DSPs and say you did something than like, you know, think about what you're actually promoting, for example. Um, what do yeah. you think about, what do you think about CPM impact? Do you just speculating on the core channels, you know, Google, Facebook, um, do you think that with all this change, you, do you think you actually will see rates move? That's a, that's a hotly debated topic. What's your take on that? So I, um, like my first gut instinct is to be like, well, CPMs will probably drop a little because there's a, there's like the reason CPMs are so high is because like, we know so much about the user that we're targeting. Right. And we're able yeah. to then make so many decisions once we get them in and find more users of a cohort that are similar to that. So like the gut instinct is to say CPMs are going to drop. But then you also have like really big um, advertisers that have um, probably pretty aggressive targets across like globally, you know, like, and that have like pretty impressive abilities to invest and probably are held to like different targets relative to where they're at and what they're doing that may, I think, like try to take advantage of this space. And so depending on how like the overarching kind of other advertisers file in, you know, um, I think that that maybe there will be like a steady state, like maybe there'll be a small drop, but then it's steady states out because I, I think like you're still working with brand advertisers who traditionally, right, will be less kind of motivated by those things and will still just need to spend their brand dollars. There are like very large kind of like developers um, that could try to like take and take advantage of the space potentially. We'll see about that. Um, not, not me, because <laughs> if I just like blindly blew money, I'd be fired, but <laughs> no, I, think um, you're right. I mean, there's no shortage of multi-billion dollar sales of gaming companies to this and that private equity group. Yeah. But like have to imagine the intention is to get pretty aggressive post those acquisitions, as opposed to like letting these things, you know, yeah. plot along. I mean, that's. I think yeah. That's because it's almost like if, 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 for example, like if I was to think about this clear, like clearly, especially the spaces where like um, niche, like performance marketers are really heavy in like those ones, as soon as this launches, everybody's probably going to, to some degree, pull back a little bit to see the, I mean, you can start to see live data now. So we're doing, like at Activision rate, we're like doing tests. We're like pulling in a little bit of spend, trying to track it, see like what it looks like. So in beta, right? And so you can see what data is flowing in, but at scale, you like really need some time to broach it. So there's going to be like a little bit of time before everybody feels like pretty confident that even like their data infrastructures are good. Um, and then the other thing is, is like, I don't know, like before we before we went live, we were talking about like the conversion event and like the intricacies of that. And I think that's another one like that one, um, you really want to kind of like flush that out as best as possible, because like when you're thinking about your one ability to actually optimize, like that's it. Um, and so the best way that you can think through that and the best way you think about setting up that event and your strategies and like the number of campaigns you have per channel and like, are you going to be flipping channels on and off or are you going to just have like minimal partners at certain given times? Um, you know, I think that will be interesting. So I think those, all those will like definitely create some like fluxes, but then at the same time, if I had a ton of money um, and I was like a little bit less like um, afraid of consequences and I saw the CPMs dropping, like anyone does with like the stock market, stock market, right? Like I would just like invest a ton in. So then there's probably, I'm sure there's gonna be like a little bit of like weird fluctuations happening. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, 
I think too, like um, something I was thinking too about like recently with like publishers and like traditional networks, which are always like, I think traditional, like already networks have been in like a tough spot. Um, I think we see that like kind of like with app love and like reinventing themselves in a bunch of different ways because the traditional yep. network model is just like struggling. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see like, um, how to you like maybe still utilize networks like recently i've been thinking about like um kind of turning publishers on and off for certain periods of time and like using them as like pinpoints of like okay right now i want to hit this audience for like two weeks and now another audience another audience another audience so i think it'll be um it'll be kind of interesting to see how everybody like creatively works around it um it's it's like you know overarchingly like the whole thing is obviously like I guess it's it's pretty interesting because interesting is the word I'm using to not say like something terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think that um, it's it's like everybody kind of hit the steady state of like, oh, I've got this. Like, I'm like a pro. I've got like all the I've got all the tricks and tips, and I'm like awesome. Yep. And so this is funny because it's just like a complete shakeup. And of course, like with ios happening now like android is probably like a year a year out you know so it's just going to completely shake things up but yeah i'll give you a one one day the way i think about this from the mau you know high level side is five years ago you could go to mau or any event and you might find a solution provider that you didn't know existed or you know they did something like oh i can you know i actually can do deep linking from email blah 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 oh wow to now a year ago, it's like anyone who's in this ecosystem more or less would know 99% yeah. of the key players, wh whoever they are. Now it's like, I think some of these companies are going to get blown up or, you know, they're not networks, they're publishers. Like what are like, well, they were an MMP, yeah. but actually they have 50 different features that they offer. It's like a full platform. Like, um, it, yeah. I, I think it's a reset, not quite back to 10 years ago or whatever, when the store app stores open, but certainly... Uh, relative to what has been a pretty clear, like, you know, you get the channel concentration percentage of spend reports year over year. They haven't really moved. It's like, you know, this network, this network, Facebook, Google, you know, this network. This yeah. network. Um, okay. I have a, I have a more, uh, not so much an activism question, but like how closely or where do you think the MMP folks fall? Like I, it seems like the, the initial industry consensus was, well, this could be kind of problematic, but now it's like, no, like they're all flourishing and doing amazing. They've got all these different takes and blog posts. And I assume they're talking to all their customers. Like, have you seen that relationship change? Like, or is it like, no, you know, you, you got an MMP, we're going to have an MMP to the grave and they just do lots of different stuff now. I'm just curious. I mean, I think they're working much harder <laughs> right now than they ever, yeah. than they yeah. have in the recent. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that we're going to have to see. I think like, you know, um, the reliance on the MMP is like, or any tool set. It's like, can I build this in-house or is it too much maintenance, too much work? And it's not sustainable for me to put like that level of investment in house. So I'm going to pay a premium to have it externally, but I don't need to maintain it. And I can focus on my like core business, which I need to. Right. right. Um, so I think the same thing here as we start to see. Um, and I, I think like the IDFA, I mean, the like SK network kind of evolution is going to change too. And what that looks like. Um, so I think like that's going to really show kind of like where the MMPs are going to fall. I also think like, um, 
you know, I'm sure they're like going to start thinking more seriously about the cost piece, you know, because for, for so long, like singular has been kind of like the heavyweight in the yeah. cost. Um, and I'm sure the MMPs are going to try to like, you know, to my, from my perspective, I don't think they've done a strong enough job on the cost side. Um, oh, or you, like you're saying cost is like tying in the yeah. spend and visualizing. Yeah. yeah. That was their, yeah. Yeah, like they came at the industry seemingly from that perspective and then got to attribution. Whereas yeah. most of the other providers, I guess branch being one exception, coming at the industry from deep linking and then getting yeah. down really started as, yeah. you know, we are, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's right. Which is funny because now like Singular is really good at cost and then like the the attribution partners are really, are like the best of the bunch at attribution, but ne the neither one I think is like that good at the other segment. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's also funny because I keep using my hands, but nobody can see. Which is <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that like, you know, there's a lot of like on the data science part, like either one of those guys can try to come in and like show their strengths in the space and try to find some like really interesting ways to kind of like model overarching like data mixes and stuff and like channel mixes. So I think yeah. that is an opportunity, yeah. but it's also probably like a huge channel though. Um, or like, uh, yeah, it's a huge challenge. But yeah. they are probably like all, all three of those guys, like I guess of like the main, main ones, like they're really heavily resourced and I'm sure they're throwing um, everything at like any data science type behavior they can. So I think there is an opportunity for them to kind of come out of this in um, a way where they'll be like meaningful partners, but actually it opens up, it kind of like opens up the ecosystem for anybody else, like really anybody else to step in um, and, and kind of show that they have um, something significant to add um, in terms of tools to help through the scenario. Yeah, no, I think that, like like if you think about me, like two two topics in, intrinsically linked: incrementality and media mix modeling. You know, some companies did them, some companies didn't, whatever. But that that was not like a top of the a pile list of things that were yeah. being discussed in this ecosystem. Now, those are like I would argue, I guess incrementality is kind of maybe a little bit more difficult um, to some extent, but yeah. nonetheless, like those are like the most strategic things you could add value on versus yeah. maybe the attribution providers historically being like very much like, it's like a tactical way to measure the click and then it fingerprints yeah. and like very clear what the solution was, but not not a really strategic contribution, just like a prerequisite. Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh no, it's actually, this creates room for strategy where maybe there wasn't before. Okay, all right, so we've hit the IDFA stuff. So now in my remaining time, I wanna talk about uh, uh, the international side of um, of what you've done, both here and in prior roles. So like, to what extent are you, you know, you're operating across all these countries, is everything, first of all, localized? I mean, in terms of language, but also, you know, do you have different events or content? Like, is there any uh, like cultural side of it beyond just the localization? Or, I mean, I suppose it's possible you, you run many countries English language and just say, you know, screw it. So what what's that? How does that mix? Um, how is that compared in your different roles, different companies? So, so like for this, for, for Call of Duty Mobile, this is like the the most international, I think, of a product I've ever worked on. And when we, from both product and from like kind of marketing, we really think of, we try, we try our best to, <laughs> um, to think about um, kind of approaching the world in the way that feels natural in each of like the markets. And so 
Um, I think it's super important. Um, I think it creates like a, a super positive kind of like user user product relationship because it shows a level of investment. And so I think in any part of life, anything you do, whether you're buying something, whether you're working somewhere, like the thing you want to feel is that what you're investing in is investing back. So Call of Duty mobile players play like a huge amount of time um, and they buy into the game, even though it doesn't like help progress them. And so what they want back is to see that the game is investing back in them. And I think like localization is important. We localize in a bunch of languages across um, across the world, but the regionalization I think is also really important. And that's something we've started to dabble in and started to um, kind of like try to do a bit of, um, and we have been since actually the launch of the game. Um, and then as we expand our team, like over the next kind of few years, that's a place where we're gonna continue to grow and invest in and thinking about how do we expand so that we can properly facilitate a, a nice experience for users wherever they are and they feel like that we're creating content custom to them. So there's- so that, uh, In your some, world, regionalization is like, uh, you have the special weekend game thing that is for people in yeah. you know, whatever reason, like that sort of thing, not purely like literally having it be in the right language. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I think that's like a big distinction because like localization and like good and like that's, that's kind of like a bare minimum, right? So someone can clearly understand what's happening in the game. Um, but then like creating content or experiences that are for that region, I think that's important. Like with our competitive initiatives, we have kind of like a global presence. And so that's kind of the beginning of that in the regions. We've also created content um, in certain regions, like specifically for those regions. Um, and the content like could be appealing to anybody worldwide, but when we think about that content, we're thinking about it from that region. So, um, you know, like with the Chinese New Year, we create content with uh, Carnival, we create content. And then actually last year we um, did like kind of a promotion with Bish, um, and which is like a pop group in Japan. And um, that basically we only promoted it in game in Japan. Um, and we created like specific content for it um, that was primarily in Japan at the time. And doesn't mean in the future, we won't create things that start in a region and go globally. But um, I think it is like pretty cool to create things where, you know, like within that space, it's gonna be really appreciated and really um, like excited for users. No, it's awesome. And what, if you take a step back, I mean, both at, at, on Call of Duty, but, but even, you know, you have lots of, lots of competitors. Um, I assume all of the marketing, all of the user acquisition stuff, is it is that fully localized or is there is there any regionalization of that? Or is, I mean, are you running more or less the same assets that you hand off to Network X, but you know, you change up the languages and keep it moving? Or or have you is there that level of specificity? So we're we're going towards the specificity. Um, and we've done some of it, but not not everywhere. Like and not always is the thing like, for example, we had um, kind of like we, for every season we create like trailers um, that essentially launch the season also live in game, kind of give a good overview of what's coming. Yeah. Um, and um, in Japan, like traditionally, like that kind of experience wouldn't, wouldn't be the best performing asset. But we have seen that there in like certain cases and it depends on the content, like it does overlap and it does work. At the same time, we are creating content in Japan, like using um, Japanese creative shops, and that that content is um, 
completely localized and regionalized and we actually don't run it anywhere else globally mm. um so maybe we should just turn on japan and worldwide on some campaigns and run some pieces that way but just <laughs> maybe that would be a good idea but. <laughs> something, for the future. something for the future um all right well i think i don't want to take too much of time this is perfect um if somebody wanted to find you do you post to do twitter or linkedin posts or whatever or not really are you a not not a public um, yeah face? i haven't i have <laughs> i i have a twitter um that i don't really i haven't really used and i have a link linkedin is like probably right now the space but i probably sure. should should create like a better a better form of methoding because messaging because my linkedin is in a in dire straits <laughs> okay well perhaps this will be your, your the, the inspiration you need um all right well thank you and i uh i hope maybe this calendar year uh, as we are planning or maybe in sometime in the future there might be an opportunity for those of us in this ecosystem to like be in a room together um yeah. so i look forward to that yeah. uh yeah but uh I, I, I appreciate it i appreciate your time thanks a lot for having me um look out for my future web presence that i will be developing post yeah i'm post excited recovery of my acl so i'm excited <laughs> With All right. thank you <laughs> Thanks for joining us. You can find Jenny's contact information in this podcast description or at MAUVegas.com. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we'll catch you on the next episode of MAU Talk.